Hi, this is Hal in Philly, and you are listening to my podcast, Tales of the Road Warriors. And uh, today is a very special episode. I'm talking with an old friend of mine. He lives in Denmark now, in Copenhagen. Copenhagen? Copenhagen Hagen. Hagen does. Mmm, ice cream. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. Anyway, once again, welcome to Tales of the Road Warriors. Today's guest is Brett Perkins. He now lives in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, when I first met Brett, he was just another singer-songwriter like me, a member of NAS, the National Academy of Songwriters, who uh, showed up to the pitches and the open mics. And um, there was one song in particular he used to play that still stands out in my mind called One More Joe, a reflective, pensive, sentimental ballad that still gets stuck in my head once in a while. It's on his last Bus Home CD, released in 2000. On the other hand, Brett is an energetic, outwardly bubbly, positive guy who has a Paul McCartney-ish vibe, and his songs run the gamut of styles and emotions. He plays as a solo, as a duet, with his lovely French lady named Magali Michaud, uh, or with his band, the Pawn Shop Preachers. And he's also often joined on stage by his daughter, 10-year-old Leva. Several years ago, Brett started a Fund Me campaign so he could bring his little girl to visit the U.S. We talked a little bit about his trip, which he finally did take. A lot of our conversation centered around the workshops and songwriter retreats that Brett organizes all over the world. On the show notes page are links to some of Brett's music videos, as well as Brett's songwriter retreats and other events that he's organized. Whether you just want to attend as an audience member and appreciator of original music, or you want to be a participating performer, be sure to attend one if you get a chance to get one close enough to your town. I'm going to lead into the conversation with one more Joe, and then reconnect with my old friend, Brett Perkins. Where did you go, my Hello, Brett. Hello, how? You sound just like last time I saw you at Highland Grounds. Same voice. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I've been careful not to let it sound like, you know how people, when they get older, they sound older? Yeah, yeah they get the old person voice. Yeah, and uh, I haven't let the old man in, so um, good. I, I'm keeping good. him at bay. So how have you been, man? I, it's like... I've been good. <laughs> I mean, lately I've been great. When you, when you ended up in Copenhagen, and I'm like, when did what? Yeah, <laughs> what? you've been an expat well, for you know, years. I say I moved here approximately twenty years ago. Now that is that is true emotionally. Uh, if you want to go by when I became a registered resident, that was two thousand four. But I was spending half my the maximum number of days, which is one hundred and eighty days a year, uh, on a on a visa the visa agreement between the U.S. and Denmark uh, from ninety seven on. Now, so, did you originally go for professional reasons, like to start a songwriting thing, or because you were dating? No. Um, I was dating a Danish songwriter. Right. Because I remember <laughs> well, her. 
pretty yeah Anetta Anetta Bialpel. that was the reason I was invited for 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 professional reasons as well but but the thing that got me to to make the trip was was Anetta nice. and uh, and and we were together oh, almost five years uh, yeah we spent as much time in the states as we did in Denmark so yeah I remember you had a chance to meet her out there. Now is, is she Leva's mom or is Migali uh, Leva's no, mom? No, no, neither of them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, uh, now there's a there's a tale of the road warrior. If ever there's a tale of the road warrior. <laughs> I um I married another songwriter, um, and we did not have a child. But then I married another songwriter, and we had a child. Three's a charm. And and then I uh, we are not together. Uh, but then Magali and I met uh, four years ago this this August actually. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. And she helped yeah. you co-parent, or, or uh, no? Actually, I, I mean, she she does in a, in, a, in a supporting way of of uh, supporting me, but uh, uh, no, she she's not seeking to be a stepmom or anything like that, and uh, that's cool. We we were clear about it. you know we had the big talk at the when we first met. I must say, she's stunning. She reminds me of like a French actress. Yes. Yeah, she is. And, and uh, I, I was listening to her um, sing. Um, Ma Parisienne. Yeah, Ma Parisienne. I just called it the Paris song. <laughs> yeah, yeah Ma Parisienne. And and uh, yeah. and uh, and I got to let me. I got to ask you something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. There's a there's a video of her singing. I think on French TV. Solo. Yes. It's a very well done video. And there's yeah. another one late. I don't know if that's earlier or later. And you're in it yeah. playing like yeah. hand percussion. Yeah. Now, was that like early in your relationship? The one where I'm playing the hand percussion was early in our relationship. Yeah, it yeah. looked like you were just totally smitten and you were just up there because you just had to be close to her. Yeah, yeah. We were very, <laughs> you weren't adding very anything our... to the song. <laughs> no, 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 no. We were just smitten. We were just in the smitten period. <laughs> yeah. It was cute. Yeah. It was cute. I, yeah. I... <laughs> Yeah, that was our first show in Paris, actually. So catch catch us up. You know, first of all, you know, this Tales of the Road Warrior podcast is yeah. very new yeah. to me. Uh, and this is maybe the going to be the, the 20-somethingth episode. I don't even okay. know the number. And I consider the first 50, maybe even the first 100 to be experimental. I don't really sure. have, have – I haven't found my voice yet. I don't know if I want this, this to be a long podcast or a short podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so far, it's been long form, but I'm thinking of maybe just like just editing it down to just the stories. Have you listened to any of them? I have not yet. I've I've been totally uh, consumed with my uh, daughter and I having a, a a very cool summer, and we do a lot together. And then we did a whole trip to the states, and that was huge. Um, and then uh, when, yeah, when was the trip to the states? Was that that was a couple of years ago, right? No, no, no. Actually, well, I, uh, last time she was there prior to this trip, which was this June, this past June. Oh, okay, because um, I remember one she, time contributing to help you get getting yes, her over there. Yes, Well, well I guess thank I, you, that was the first. You trip. actually contributed to this trip. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. how long it took. So, thank you. <laughs> oh, and in yeah. fact, you just reminded me. I I, I admit to uh, because I know a lot of the people who contributed, so I've sort of you know had individual discussions with them. But I I had been meaning to post something in that group. Uh, on Facebook, which I still have archived, so I will, I will do that because it was an amazing trip, and I, I took, I mean, I really did like go. We went over the top budget wise to to make sure I used all the contributions. <laughs> yeah, because if I saw pictures of you later with like a bag of wine sitting in the park, no, I would, no, I would have been really good. pissed off. Yeah, yeah, and if it was expensive wine, that'd be worse. 
yeah. No, we had a great time. We did 16 days uh, this June, and um, we did you know all the Disneyland and Santa Monica Pier and uh, Idlewild. She was with me for the Idlewild retreat. Uh, that I did up there for one weekend, also the launch of the new festival up there, which was wonderful. So, yeah, I yeah. must say, since you left as the 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 West Coast director of NAS, yeah, uh, which later became uh, the Songwriters Guild, I think they're oh, still yeah, there, well, right? folded into the Songwriters Guild. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what they're up to. So, yeah. So then, since then, you, you've like gone on to become like a franchise. So there's Brett Brett Perkins <laughs> this and Brett Perkins yeah. that, and you're. You're in California, you're in Copenhagen, you're yeah. in other yeah. parts of Europe. Yeah. It's amazing. And I haven't that's been at any of, of these events. And I haven't really, really done a lot of songwriting anyway. So, Well, hey, you know, there's always next year or next season. <laughs> yeah. I might I might cover one of your songs. I might do something like, uh, I just feel good for no, for no, for oh, no particular reason. reason. Oh, cool. That's my co-write with my daughter. She was five when, when we co-wrote that. You know, it's funny because I'm a sucker for like feel good songs. And, and you know, yeah, the, there's like, song, um, um, <laughs> like the Love and Spoonful had good time music and what a day oh, for yeah. a daydream. Yeah. I love songs yeah. like that. And then uh, Freebo's yeah. got a song called I Feel Good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. If yeah. you, have you ever heard Freebo's I, I Feel Good? I, I have I, I've heard him many times, but I have not heard that song. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got a song that's pretty pretty fun to sing along with. Yeah. He's been over here to Copenhagen. He came over and did some uh, some shows and workshop that I set up um, for a while. I mean, it been you know the word got out that I was here, and and uh, and so a lot of the uh, L.A. or let's say the Southern California connections have made their way over. I've I've had Steve Shacklin over. I've had Brad Parker. Alan Roy Scott, so old NAS board members and staff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know the names. I, I, yeah, some of then, them, uh, I, Steve, I know. Well, yeah, and then Lowen and Navarro were over back when Eric was still with us, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, and uh, Dan, he's doing house concerts all over the place in the states now. Uh, Dan Kirkpatrick. I mean, Dan, sorry, Navarro. Dan. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, Navarro. Of course, my mind was because I also Dan Kirkpatrick is gigging. So he was the former director at NAS who I, I replaced him. Yeah, I, so, yeah, yeah. I, God, I yeah, haven't heard yeah. Dan Kirkpatrick, Kirkpatrick's name in a while either. Yeah, he's playing out. He's doing a bunch of gigs in the Santa Clara. The Santa Clarita Valley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw Dan uh, uh, tomorrow at uh, Poker Lance uh, last couple of times. I, I've been going after 20 years. I, I really did come to Europe and, and just, even though I did come back to California a bit, my focus uh, was over here. And so I, I took like a 20 year hiatus from the LA music industry, which I didn't miss for one bit. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, just kind of, you know, just finding the life I wanted over here, which I think you made the right I'm decision. Yeah. I got out at a good time. <laughs> God, yeah. And you know, oh what's God, funny was when yeah. I read your Facebook right. posts, I, I, I yeah. think, how does Brett avoid, commenting on what's happening because you really yeah. your posts are usually just focused on your music you, yeah. you only post when you have have a new song you want people to hear yeah. like you never make comments about politics and well, i, and I, I love that, you, that yeah. and, and yeah. even on your youtube videos like uh, most of the songs you have posted are you know the love songs the feel good songs yeah. and i finally yeah. I, I didn't even know what your politics were until i Happened across the, the stuff you have up on. Um, I saw it. I saw. It. I got a notice from SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah, from SoundCloud. 
Yes, you found the Everything Divine uh, demo, summer the, family reporting. What I call the good stuff, <laughs> the, uh, meaty oh, st- hey, the meaty stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a really, that was a cool project, and uh, that actually spawned a trio, uh, which uh, was, you know, ultimately put out an album under the name Big Wide Room. Uh, with That's me, Mark Davis, and, and David Zink. Okay, and, uh, and you, that's the trio that does the really nice, nice uh, like Crosby, Stills, Nash type of harmony. Yeah, yeah, a lot of comparisons with that. Uh, as far as meaty lyrics, that's, I mean, I love that album. It's fantastic production. And like many uh, uh, interesting groups, we got to our pinnacle touring, recorded this amazing album, and broke up immediately after. <laughs> so, so, so now, Wanna Be Homeward Bound, is that them? Yeah. That's no, that's me on my own in '99. I wrote that in '99. Oh, okay, that and that's the one that's yeah. Grammy bound, Grammy bound, Homeward Bound, uh, is Grammy bound. No, no, uh, well, no, that song, uh, uh, I want to be Homeward Bound, which of course I couldn't help but think of, uh, that what's that duo, Simon and Garden, Simon and something. You know what it reminds uh, me, you know what my first thought was though, listening to uh, the song, the lyrics and the yeah, feel, yeah, Pete Seeger yeah. meets Bono. Oh, cool. That's great. It has kind of a U2 kind of vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, But that Dude, Pete that Seeger sense. sensibility in the lyrics. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I didn't set out to write a song that had a familiar title within its title. But I, that, I mean, the idea of home, of course, is not, Paul Simon's not the first person who wrote a lyric about home. I mean, it's No, and in, in no way title. resembles the song Homeward Bound. No, it doesn't. So, so that's why I made it quite a long title, Want to Be Homeward Bound. And, uh I gotta admit that's kind of like kind of what I did with Tales of the Road Warriors. The title, uh-huh. uh, I found that if you Google Road Warriors, you get this uh-huh. wrestling team that used to, <laughs> they, they passed away, and then uh, 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 or else you'll get the movie The Road Warrior, the George Miller film starring Mel Gibson. Right. So the only way to really find me is to go to talesoftheroadwarriors.com, dot okay. you know, or, or search the entire phrase "Tales of the Road Warriors." Otherwise, do you ever find uh, do, if somebody Google's because what comes up for me is the way of the peaceful warrior, really, which was a yeah uh, interesting it's a book, a spiritual book about a you know because you're using like European Google, I guess it's a different. There you Google. go. You got a different yeah. Google than us. Yeah. Way of the peaceful warrior. <laughs> yeah, the way of the peaceful warrior. You have the Zen Google. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Zengle. Zingle. Hey, we've got a new project. Relax <laughs> new while, you, while you search. Yeah. A, a search <laughs> engine for Buddhist Zengle. Yes, I like it. Are you are you searching for peace? <laughs> search with Zingle. <laughs> we don't call it searching here. We call it seeking. That's right. We call it seeking. That's right. What do you seek, my brother? <laughs> so, anyway. Why Google when you can zingle? <laughs> Somebody's going to hear this and make a ton of money on this idea. I just want you to, you know, to know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm good at giving that stuff away. And not, yeah, I you know. it's better to just let it go. Give when it when away. I was you a singing waiter, the manager once said, because I was always like, uh, Letting everybody ahead of me, and he said, "Yeah, he said, how, how? Why don't you just write a book called Looking Out for Number Two? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh nice direct guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talk cool. about a zinger. But that stuck yeah. in my head. Yeah, yeah. I started saying no I... more often after that. <laughs> it reminds me of one of my favorite Oscar Wilde quotes, of which there are many. But uh, it said, uh, "A good friend stabs you in the front." 
<laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah. 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 I like yeah. that. I'm going to have to remember that. Oh, he's wonderful. Check out his, uh, his quotes. So now so I'm talking you- to you like all out of order. Like I, I should have said, so, you know, let my, let my listeners know a little bit about you. You're originally from okay. California, originally right? From California. I was, uh, Born in San Gabriel uh, Valley Hospital, the last year they apparently, I've learned this since, um, <laughs> the last year that they were birthing babies there. So I don't know if I broke the machinery or what happened. But um, And then I uh, moved to Arcadia. My family moved to Arcadia when I was uh, six months old. And I grew up in Arcadia. Were you in Arcadia when you discovered the Beatles and, and got, yes. got hit with the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. The revelation that this band. is what you're going to do with your life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had my band used to, uh, the, my first uh, real band, the Sneaks, back in the uh, beginning of the 80s, used to rehearse in the garage. But, yeah, I grew up there and, and soaked up all that music. But, you know, I mean, well, I think that 60s and 70s uh, radio was pretty exciting. Were you and, more into uh, the surf stuff, like the Beach Boy stuff, or the English Invasion? What? Uh, uh, it's interesting. I had a really wide palette partly because i had my mother uh, had uh remarried and with along with my stepfather came his two sons who were grown they were like 18 17 18 years old in the middle of the 60s so i'm like you know three four years old when, when they show up and they're 17 and 18 and they're listening to all this trippy hey just trippy, a heads up you're, you're i think yeah. your mic mic's oh sorry that coming. was my headphone sorry um they're listening to, you know, Jefferson Airplane and Credence and all this stuff. And they got blacklight posters and I'm sure there were bombs. I didn't know what they were back then. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and so I was exposed too. to a lot of like Pink Floyd and all this stuff through them. And then I was listening to Casey Kasem's top 100 and top 40. And so listening to hit radio. And so by the time I had my own money to buy, I remember distinctly buying my first albums with my own money they used to sell them in ralph's in the supermarket (laughs) and i went down to the ralph's supermarket and i bought i saved up from mowing lawns and i bought two lps uh black sabbath paranoid and the carpenters close to you (laughs) what a diverse (laughs) going from one to the other and did you listen to these albums back to back i I mean yeah Oh, sorry, did I listen to what after that? I said, did you listen to the two albums back to back? No, I think uh, that that uh, might have been a little too disturbing. No, I actually, <laughs> I, I just listened to all of it because for me, actually now when I think of it, because I, I didn't have a conscious thought as to why I was drawn to both of them. I just liked them, you know. Um, there was a pathos in Ozzy Osbourne singing uh, Paranoid. And there was a pathos, I mean, it, like a sadness in Karen Carpenter. Had she, she lived, she might have done like uh, Karen Carpenter sings Black Sabbath. <laughs> maybe at some maybe. point. In her but she career. had this. She had this sadness in her voice, as did Linda Ronstadt. For, yeah. I mean, now that I'm thinking of it, so I think I resonated with that without even consciously realizing it. But they, yeah, a lot of the songs they were sad love songs that the Carpenters sang. I mean, she was always talking about where are you? You know, don't you remember you told me you loved me, baby? Said you were coming back again, baby. You know all this. All this, like, what, what happened? We've only just begun, and rainy days and Mondays. And, I mean, I ended up, the cool thing was when I ended up working at the National Academy of Songwriters, I got to meet the people who wrote those songs, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Alan Marilyn Bergman and Paul Williams and John Bettis. And right. And, and, well, Leon, didn't Leon Russell write uh, 
Yeah. Superstar? Yeah, but, uh, Don't you remember? Your... Su- yes, yes, Superstar, yes, yes. I was not quoting uh, writers and songs in proper uh, proper order. <laughs> no, that's okay. Proper that's chronology. A... Yeah, but good. I was just no, showing good. off my, my No, thank you for the catch. <laughs> I'm still big on writer credits, you know. Yeah, so that was, yeah, so I grew up uh, there, and then I, I had my first band. I played my first gig uh, in a club when I was 14. We lied about our age and played a local uh, club. And uh, I just, you know, that was, what, 76, 77. Okay, uh, 77 was the year I came out to California, and I started as a, that's when I started as a singing waiter with the Great American. Had you ever visited there? Did you ever eat eat there? No, I've heard you talk about it, and I've heard others talk about it, but I never did, no. Yeah, probably if you hear others talking about it, it's probably people I worked with that I have as guests on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, it was crazy, a crazy place. We called it the Disneyland of restaurants. But uh, the reason I think the reason I know Superstar is because we used to do that one a lot as a group number. Uh, like a lot of the oh, waiters yeah. would get together and do that. We'd love to do that harmony. Oh, the harmony stuff. During yeah. The in, in high school, I was in a, um, a show choir, uh, which with absolutely hideous costumes. I mean, acetate satin and angels flight, you know, pants and uh, oh, but uh, we had to learn song and dance numbers. But uh, the thing was, the harmonies we were really good group we had some great voices so at my my favorite peak moment was we did an eight-part harmony acapella version of shenandoah wow and we won uh southern california uh, choir of the of the year at this uh, you know state championship thing so that was was exciting at civic auditorium at citrus citrus community college auditorium citrus community college is yeah that- citrus college is out in uh I guess near the Azusa Pacific campus in California. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I thought you were going to say yeah. Arcadia. No, it's a junior college out there, but that was where the that, they had the big performance hall. Uh, so that's where we did, did that. And then I, well, the other big performance hall was the was at the San Gabriel Mission. They had the San Gabriel Civic Auditorium, this beautiful old Spanish architecture, you know, built I think built in the uh, probably around the early 19, 1910-12. And uh, I was elected senior vocalist by my classmates, and so I sang um, I Love You Just the Way You Are, Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. But when I met so you, I? it's 1977. I'm trying to think. I met you um, shortly after Steve Shacklin left. Yes. And then you, and was it him. you that took his place immediately? Yeah. And now how yeah, did you well, end up getting that position? Well, Steve, uh, as you re- since you know Steve, and and if he heard this, uh, you know he would know this too. He was a, all, he's always been a force of nature, you know, always very persuasive, yeah. in his enthusiasm and his passion. But anyway, he was the first person I knew who uh, was uh, diagnosed with AIDS or HIV, and it, at that time, and that was nineteen ninety. Want to say ninety three? I think of it. Yeah, I know it was early nineties. Yeah. And when that happened, he realized he couldn't, you know, he would have to leave his work because it was a big, big scary thing then. Not that it is now, but I mean, then there was so much unknown and, and so much death. Oh, it was usually fear. a death sentence if somebody. Yes. Yeah. And so he, uh, the beautiful story for him, uh, which is amazing, is that it changed his life. He actually said to me at one point, I'm, I'm thankful that it happened 
because it, it he wrote a musical called The Last Session that ended up becoming a huge uh, vehicle for him to travel. Did you ever hear? Do, do you know the about me my involvement in that? No. Oh, okay. Well, somewhere along the lines, I got handed the reins to Rusty Surf Ranch in Santa Monica. I remember when you were associated with that. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. Matt Kramer brought yeah, me Matt in. Kramer. Jill Jill right. Holly was hosting. How cool! Yeah. And yeah. she needed somebody to replace it because she was going to doing a college tour. Yeah. yeah. And I got recommended, and I got yeah. introduced to Matt Kramer, and so yeah. um, Steve Shalklin asked me if he could try out this musical he's working on. There. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he had AIDS, and and he wrote yeah. this musical about you know he, based on how he didn't want. Patsy Weber to be the yes, last face he ever saw, you know. And uh, so yeah, anyway, it's a great musical. And yeah. I said I'd be happy to. I'm I'm honored that you asked me, you know. Yeah. And apparently, it was such. It never dawned on me, Brett, that it was su- yeah. such a, a. People were so ashamed to come yeah. out. Yeah. If yeah. they were gay, yeah. let alone yeah. if they were gay and had AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I was like honored that he asked and, and to yeah. be a part of that. You know? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, I did not know that that Steve was gay until he told me. Uh, not that it would have mattered one iota to me. And I mean, we were always playful, and you know, and he was always kind of saying, "Okay, you know, I want to bring you over to the dark side and all that." You know, <laughs> but I never, I never, I thought he was just kidding with you know, because I, I just didn't have that reference. Uh, yeah, yeah, it never dawned on and, me either. And it, no, like, like you said, it would have made a difference to us. No, but and I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't met uh, his partner Jim, or maybe I had, but I hadn't realized they were partners anyway. So, but of course, when he uh, announced his illness, um, then it all, you know, became clear to the story. And uh, and so you asked me how I got the job or why I took the job. I was uh, at that point. I was uh, I'd already been a volunteer for a while and a member since the mid late. And was um, marketing director for the paper at that point. I was working on Song Talk with Paul and uh, with Dan Kirkpatrick to get it out there more often and build up distribution and revenue and that sort of thing. Uh, And then Steve came to me one day and said, listen, we're going to have lunch. And I said, "Okay." So we sit down and he says, I I have to leave because I have age. You know that. And you have to replace me. And I said, excuse me, because <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't thinking that, you know, I was like, uh, I mean, I was still figuring out my own, what am I doing? I was recording and, you know, kind of make, stip, tiptoeing into my own solo stuff. And, um, and he said, and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, you're the best man for the job of the people that I'm aware of around here, because you're, you know, anyone, you're very sweet, you know, you're smart, you're effective, you're, you, you've got a strong ego, so you can handle the bullshit in the business. And blah, blah, blah. And, and then he said, but I'm going to tell you why, because, you know, he's always, he had this pre, he'd go into like preacher mode. You know? Right, like, right. I know. I'm going to tell you that. why. You're going to say yes. <laughs> you know, you can picture it, right, with a finger in the air, like, yep. now, now, I'm giving you all the reasons, but here's why you're going to say yes. Because I have AIDS, and you will not say no to a man who is dying of AIDS. <laughs> and I just looked at him like I said, "You bastard!" You know, you bastard. So, so I said, "Yes, of course." Well, yeah, you, you better, you better have. Yeah, and and the last time that I actually saw uh, him until years later in in uh, Copenhagen, I mean, like twenty years later, um, he was 
uh, I don't know that he was leaving the office for the last time, but he was taking his stuff, you know, kind of leaving. Uh-huh. And we were at the elevator, and I'm getting emotional remembering this, but I just looked over and I said, you know, Steve, I love you, and and uh, and I, I hope the best for you. And we hugged each other, and I reached up, and I kissed him on the lips. And and I thought, afterwards, I thought, what was that about? You know, but I was so, I was angry at the idea that pe- all this fear and the idea that people, you could get, you know, remember the hysteria? You could get AIDS from shaking hands with a gay man or using the same toilet as a gay man. Just I mean, being in the same stuff. room with a gay man. Yeah, yeah and it, it was, was all just this, over, it was prejudice. It was another face for prejudice. Over the top and it, bullshit. Yeah, and, and when that started to happen to a friend of mine who was suffering, it pissed me off, you know, and, it, and I thought, and it, so it was an act of, spontaneous love and and uh he's he reminded me of that story he said it meant a, it meant a huge uh, amount to him and i you know i mean that told him it it's you know as much to me because it was just a a moment of saying uh, you know wow <laughs> this is the world we're in now you know so uh and and the beauty of it is he's still with us and uh wrote a crazy wonderful musical about it and so that was how yeah that's how i became managing director and then and then uh a year later, uh, became the executive director. Fantastic. Yeah. You know how wonderful it is that, 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 and the way Steve is constantly reminded that, that he is alive is uh, yes. when you read his Facebook posts, he's constantly yeah. hurting himself. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's accident prone. Yeah. Yeah. And his body is weaker. I mean, it's, yeah. Great. yeah. It's, yeah. The years so, yes. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like bittersweet. Like, yeah, it's good because it when you get bruised, it reminds you oh, I'm still alive, at least. Yeah, but, exactly. But then, yeah, yeah. But, uh, a, yeah, I would love to talk to Steve about uh, that whole thing. He's he's you know he did that online diary, and I, I think he's yes. probably one of the very first bloggers too. Yes, and and I would imagine I certainly can't speak for him, but uh, based on all my experience with Steve, he would say yes in a heartbeat <laughs> to to uh, to being interviewed. Now the next time I'm aware of you was, was I think you you uh, took over the open mic at Highland Grounds for Billy Block for a spell. Well, no, now actually, uh, there there were two concurrent, somewhat overlapping open stages. There was Billy Block's Western Beat, uh, which Brad Parker and and others were were a large part of. Uh, yeah, uh, Robert, Robert and, and Daryl Purpose and some of the others. So. Uh, an entry, um, but I I may have guest hosted once or twice, but I, I didn't take that over. I was actually hosting the, right. the NAS open stage. Oh, okay, on a different Kevin night at the stage. same at, on a different Highland night Ground. in the same video. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so I just remember you asked me to sub one once or twice. Yeah, and uh, I just remember the one night you came walking in with Jilly Moon and Rachel. Was it Rachel something? Anyway, yeah, yeah. from Australia, I don't even know how yeah. you ended up with yeah. these two yeah. in tow. And you go, Hal, do you mind if uh, you know squeeze uh, yeah. the girls in? I'm like, well, this is your open mic. I'm just you can do what you want, really. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, you were the host, so I had to ask proper. Yeah. Rachel Solomon, I think it was. Yeah, that was a cool night. And you know, remain friends with Julie as well. So yeah, she's gone on to do many, many things, as we all know. So I just wanted to ask you about the pawn shop preachers. Oh yeah, that's okay, the greatest so that name elite. in the world. And I was just want to ask you, like, what, what's you. the origin of the name? The well, pawn I'll shop you, preachers. Um, I had the uh, I had the name for about ten years before I used it in the band. I I love to play with words, and uh, I think it was around 
yeah, it was around somewhere in the late nineties. I, I was, I forget who I was talking to, but we were sitting making up crazy names and talking about crazy things. And the original name was the porn shop preachers. I was just talking about, well, some, we, I was riffing on some conversation about religion and about proselytizing versus prostitution. Well, I could totally and, see some preacher guy with a megaphone standing outside yeah, of a uh, video store. Absolutely. Outside, oh, outside a porn shop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And another one in the back buying up most of their products, you know, so that was, that was the, the contrast of the, you know, those who protest the loudest are often the, uh, the, the, the most culpable. Um, so, so, uh, I was, you know, I was ranting on something and, and I thought that's a really cool name. And I, I floated it for a while and I thought about it for a while. And I thought, yeah, that's a really cool name for me and my friends who would get the humor. But I think if I use that as a band name, it would immediately shut off about 40 to 50% of potential audience, you know? Right. So well, your bass player got the sense of humor in it with the, yeah, the handlebar mustache yeah. and the ball. Oh, I love that look. <laughs> oh, the Danes, oh, the Danes, they love, they would have gone with porn shop preachers. That would have bothered it. But I was just thinking, you know, I mean, if somebody just heard the music and said, that was the porn shop preachers. Be, Whoa, I don't want my, you know, eight. Right, 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 right. Um, whereas pawn shop preachers, I mean, that's also fun too. So, uh, uh, yeah, it just stuck, and I loved it. And I thought one day I'm going to find a, a, an outlet of songs for that. And uh, the funny, the big joke uh, on me to to me that I laugh up so much about now is that had you come up to me in in my early serious band, you know, when I had my first band and I was really just driven and trying to make it, quote unquote, whatever the hell that means, uh, in the early '80s, playing hard edged power pop and rock and uh, and told me that I'd be, I would have my most commercial success playing country music. <laughs> I would have, I would have smacked you upside the head. You know? <laughs> I know. And then your affected country accent on some of them. Like, yeah. God. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that is, uh, you know, it actually, uh, yeah. Our friend, Steve Shacklin, who comes from the Southern climes as, as did my ancestors, uh, took me to task on that. He says, what's with putting on the, I don't like the fake accent. I said, it's not a fake accent. It's, it, I'm leaning on that is my family roots. That's Kentucky. They were hillbillies in <laughs> Kentucky, and and I met them and I listened to them tell stories and and play their music and I I soaked it up apparently and at some point it just started coming and I started writing all these tongue in cheek. I mean I've always liked to play with humor and all that and you know it's so fun to write songs like put a fork in me I'm done or you know I'm longing for a short term relationship or you know I mean just playing with you know like, like country music does it's to me it's it's roots music more than I I, I use some very old traditional country song form uh but it's it's got a little rage so so Brett's uh, inner hillbilly comes out yeah exactly and, uh, and that's even got a name Billy Willie <laughs> the hillbilly <laughs> hillbilly Willie yeah and and you do have that uh that naming technique down of, of the uh the oxymorons in the title oh yeah wow. absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah. thank you i've enjoyed it and i've got we're working on going to the studio here just here in the third week of august i'm going to be back in with the band and recording a bunch of basic tracks it's very exciting i don't know if you give it any thought with all your traveling uh, you're playing in the states you're playing in denmark and yeah elsewhere you have like yeah. is there a particularly good story that stands out that, that you could share uh, I, I go to play my first, one of my first gigs in Holland, and uh, my friend's Bright Blue Gorilla had helped me to get some shows. I remember that. What, what year yeah. was this? This was uh, 97, I believe. Uh, okay. Just after NAS, or maybe 98. 
And uh, they were living over there and I had a booking agent, so they helped me get some gigs. And you know, I was excited. It was a nice-looking cafe. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be playing to big audiences, but it was a nice-looking venue. It had a guaranteed payment. They were making beautiful posters and all that. Um, the local press was going to do a story on me. <clears throat> so, so, yes, it was a very nice venue. And, yes, the local paper uh, did a nice little interview. I got a nice quote. Uh, listed my concert time as 4 to uh, 6 p.m., which was correct. Um, I got to the venue early, uh, and there was a poster that said American songwriter Burt Birkins. <laughs> B-U-R-T-B-U-R-K-I-N-S. Uh, Burt Birkins, that's like Bert how they Birkins, would pronounce yeah. it, even if they yes. did spell it right. Yeah, I know. They, I think they're doing it phonetically. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I kept the poster. I mean, it's one of the few I've hung on to all these years, and I took a photo of it for posterity. But uh, and, and my show was, uh, in their minds, at, at 1 o'clock. So even though I had arrived a couple hours early, I was late, according to them. So, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> so I ended up playing to, to, I won't say no one, because there was always someone, but it, there were the people working there. So I'd say probably there was a cook in the back and a young woman serving drinks, but there was nobody really to serve them to. Uh, and then, and then this mother, young mother, and a sweet little toddler, maybe you know one and a half year old, just walking, uh, the kind of walking where you're not sure they're gonna they're gonna fall down any second. The duck waddle, you know. Uh -huh. um, and and here I was, you know, I'm just going back on a tour, so all my insecurities and demons enter, you know, oh, what are you doing? And, uh, what's this? And you're too old. It's too late. And all that, you know, all that litany of negative garbage that. Uh, most of us have at least on some kind of loop tape. It was pretty loud in the moment. I was not seeing the humor of being Burt Perkins. <laughs> uh, Why were you late, Burt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, Burt. How you doing there? Uh, you dirty Bertie, they could call me. <laughs> so, uh, but then this little child became mesmerized. It just looks up and just is frozen in the spot and has this joyful look and kind of sways back and forth a little bit. And the mother is so enamored with that this you know what her child is what she's seeing is that she stands there and so that i'm just getting showered with love <laughs> and it was it turned out to be the greatest gig you know i mean in that way you know it was really it was a lesson about uh being just being with what is in the moment so uh i it turned out to be a beautiful beautiful thing and i uh yeah it's that's a story that stays with me were you did you yep. were you playing the ukulele by any chance no, not back then. I picked up the, the uh, ukulele and uh, just when I met, actually when I met Magali four years ago, I had been, I had been sort of um, dancing around ukuleles in, in guitar shops. I would stop in and I would sort of just not even take them down off the wall. I would just sort of go pl pluck the strings. Yeah. Maybe one, maybe one day, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then uh, I went to visit her. She lived in Amsterdam when we, when we met uh, and, and she had a ukulele. And um, I was in that, as you mentioned earlier, complete infatuation, have to be right next to you, near you. And I wrote about 20 happy love songs. You, you were so smitten. I, I could just oh, I tell was. I was. from that one video. We, fortunately, fortunately, she was too. <laughs> <laughs> so it could have been a stalker situation. Yeah. But, uh, and, now what, what's uh, that uh, video with the two of you, something too, um, fortunate uh, too? Or, uh, unforgettable too. Unforgettable too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is a play on, of course, that. That can go. Anyhow, she had a she had a uh, 
ukulele there, and I did not know how to play ukulele. So I just found two bar chords I could play, an open chord and two bar chords, chords, and I wrote um, my first song on ukulele called Hello Love, which became the title track of our first CD. And uh, proof that, you know, if you got a song in you, it's got to come out. And it did. So that was the beginning. Yeah, and it did. And now I have not only a very nice ukulele, or ukulele as my proper musician friends keep trying to tell me yeah, to call that it. that is correct. Uh, but U- I, I also have a gu- guitar lele, which is the six-string ukulele, where the first, the top uh, four strings are the tuning of ukulele, and then the bottom two are guitar. It's very cool. You can play regular chord uh positions like g chords and things and it, and yeah. it works it's just so fun as a writer it's, it's so fun to just and i tell people get on another instrument not just borrow your friend's guitar but go pick up a mandolin or go pick up maybe not a banjo it's a little scary but <laughs> as, as a go-to first not the best first go-to but uh something that just gives you a different like where you're a little lost and so the mystery comes back i what tried a mandolin i couldn't couldn't figure it out you play mandolin well i I know, no. I, as I say that, I tried it and it was too much for me. Which the is the why tuning just confounds me on a mandolin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ukulele, not a, so much, because the ukulele is really just the bottom four strings of a guitar. Yeah, right. Which finally somebody explained, or they, you know, I finally heard it and I went, "Oh, duh!" Now you know how to play the damn thing. I ended up with a being gifted a, an electric Greek bazooki. Wow. And I didn't know how to properly tune it, so I just tuned it in an open tuning. And I had a blast with that thing, man, because it just made the coolest sound. It was like this rock bazooki sound. Yeah, you try like <laughs> bottleneck, you try using like a bottleneck with it. Also, yeah, yeah, I tried bluesy, all crazy stuff. Blues uh, bazooki. Yeah, I have passed that instrument on. That uh, David Zink had it for quite a few years, and then now it's in the hands of the Wild Mountain Mystics. Huh. <laughs> That's the name of the band, the Wild Mountain Mystics? Wild Mountain Mystics, yeah. They're a lot of fun. I'll have to check, look that up. That's an old friend of mine from all the way back in junior high. So you like it there a lot? I do. I love it. The U.S. is a wonderful place to live if you have enough money. And if you don't, it can be a really difficult place to live. And I thought, okay, I'm a musician. I know that's what I'm always going to do. Money doesn't motivate me. Music motivates me. And experience motivates me. And I do things from my heart. And then I think about the money which makes for bad business, but, you know, good, heartful living. So I'd seen how that worked for a lot of my other musician friends, and it wasn't looking so good, no health insurance and all this kind of stuff. So I thought I would live, I want to live in Europe. tell you, when I was, I think, 14 Mm -hmm. in, like, junior high, or maybe, no, might have been before that. I think I was still in elementary school. Yeah, she was 14. I was younger. Uh Uh-huh. 10 oh, this sounds like an interesting. No, I had a, our teacher assigned us pen pals. We had to ah. write to a school in Denmark. Oh, cool. And then their <laughs> teacher assigned her students. Like, yeah. So I was assigned nice. this girl. And I, was, yeah. I had a pen pal in, in Denmark for years. Nice. Her name was Ula Stephenson. Ula, yeah. Wow. So I tried, I tried to look her up, but there's a couple Ulas, you know. Yeah. A, so I wouldn't even have known if I found the right one today, if, yeah. even if she's yeah. still alive. Uh, so Leva's following in your footsteps musically. <laughs> well, she she's she's you know she's her life exploration has just begun, but but so far she loves to sing. She's got a great voice. She writes songs. Her mother has a beautiful singing voice and is a songwriter, very talented songwriter. You know she's fully bilingual. She she got into she auditioned for this um, 
I guess the closest thing you'd call it in the U.S. would be like a conservatory or, or fame academy kind of a thing. Uh, right, and, and it's she like for the, for the, a school for the arts. It's for the arts, and it is the the school in the country for singers. It's the what they feed the the royal the national choir that sings for the queen and coronations and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and there were there are only thirty five spots per year for boys and thirty five girls, and they start from the third grade and it's all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a full education, but with a music heavy music em- emphasis. So, and uh, she auditioned, and out of 700 kids, she got in. Wow. How many did they accept? They 70 out of 700. Oh, wow. So she's uh, she's yeah. up there. And then when she graduates, yeah. she'll be qualified to join the Perkins family band. Oh, she'll already. I'll tell you what. She already. She <laughs> knows already I'll, be, I'll be begging her for opening gigs within five years. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, her favorite artist is Billy uh, Eilish, you know. And I think, okay, well, yeah, she'll probably be hitting that thing about Five years from now. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, she's, she's got a head start being your daughter. Oh, well, she's the best. She is the best thing that ever happened to me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess kids either wear you out or keep you young. And I've been worn out a few times, but she absolutely keeps me young. And she keeps me aware of music that I wouldn't otherwise be listening to because she's consuming what a ten-year-old consumes. And and. I, I'm a writer, but I don't listen to a lot of music. I mean, I, I hear a lot, but I don't have the radio on. I like silence. So, right. she's, so she's keeping you plugged into the pulse of, of totally, what's happening now. Totally. She'll go, Daddy, check this out. Oh, look, listen to this. Wow, listen to that hook. I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's an earworm. Uh, I get it. Yeah, it's an earworm. Exactly. So what's uh, tell, what projects are you working on? What websites? or? Yeah. One of my main activities is leading the, the listening room songwriting retreats, which I uh, do six a year in, in five countries. And uh, I've been doing those for 17 years. And uh, 10, 11 years ago, I started the Copenhagen Songwriters Festival, which is coming up here. It's 11th year is coming up here at the end of August. And then this last year, I uh, started the Idlewild Songwriters Festival up in uh, Idlewild, California, Southern mm-hmm. California, up in the San Jacinto Mountains. What I realized that through, looks like a hoot, by the way. I saw the oh, videos and they interviewed you on the news. Oh, yeah, and yeah. On NBC and ABC came, it was amazing. Their affiliates came up, it was phenomenal. I mean, you know, it's like, whoa, press showed up. Yeah, and I couldn't <laughs> yeah, help but think happened. if I was still living out in LA, I would have been there. I would have, oh, absolutely. And oh. there were a lot of people, you know, it was incredible. And now that's twice a year now. I do a winter and a summer festival. But the thing is, I've realized that I love presenting like I, I started the listening room concert series 25 years ago and i love putting on events and gathering people and i love having it be a, a communal a communal event something for the public so everyone can be involved or get something out of it and also an educational aspect for those who are delving into the arts and being encouraged so now each retreat as of next year will have a festival attached to it. So I'm launching the Tuscany Songwriters Festival in Southern in Italy uh, in March. I have a retreat there already, and we'll have shows in Florence and in the, this beautiful medieval town called Castiglione Fiorentino, which is halfway between Florence and Rome. Yes, you're going to definitely have to email or message me those names so I get the sure. spelling right in the show notes. Oh, absolutely. It's tough to get the spelling right in Castiglione. Fiorentino, I can tell you. Yeah, but <laughs> each, then, ep- uh, like each episode of my podcast, on 
has a corresponding show notes page on the Tales of Warriors dot com website. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Cool. So like yeah. you'll they'll find you at Tales of the dot com slash Brett dash Perkins. Okay. And then all the notes on that page will be, you know, kind of sum up our conversation. And then links. And then yeah. links to whatever you want me to link to. So, yeah, so the festival retreat, and then I tour, I do listening room tours after the festival. So I built this little sort of, yeah, found my way into this little hybrid model that lets me do what I like to do, which is travel, play music, hang around cool other musicians who are really into what they do. I don't mean cool like hip, but like, you know, open-hearted, creative people, right. and, uh, and go to beautiful places. <laughs> That's it. That's the model. You're a busy guy. And uh, what you're doing is making other people's lives happy. I feel fortunate. It's, it feels like service, but I, you know, I'm also doing what I enjoy, so it doesn't feel like work. I mean, I work, I work at it. I don't mean, you know, yeah, I put a lot of hours in my. If I was working for somebody else, I'd probably be screaming about the hours I put in. But I, right. I don't feel like I'm putting them in. I feel like I wake up and I go, oh, cool. What am I going to work on? The design for that poster, or the track for that song, or the next trip Levi and I are going to go on, or you know, it's like it's like fun. You know? <laughs> so it's nice to be in that in that space because I there were years as for many people where you know I had to think about am I going to get the phone bill paid or is it going to get turned off? Am I going to you know where's next week's groceries coming from? I've been there too, so I really appreciate this period of golden joyful activity <laughs> and the rest of us are enjoying you enjoying it it feels like a good thing place to be i posted something a couple days ago that just i was sitting here musing i wake up you know quite early in the morning as you know from our email exchanges i don't sleep well, i sleep enough but i don't sleep in long long patches so i, I had no idea you ever <laughs> slept by the, i do, <laughs> the I do. so uh so i was making this little Mim, you know, and I was counting the years of all the different projects, and I realized I'm coming up with my. This is my 40th uh, anniversary of my first band. We're doing a. We did a reunion concert here this year, and we're going to do one more in in January. And my 40th high school reunion is next year, and I'm organizing it and hosting it. So, oh my! Um, so in in Arcadia, I realized, and I stacked up all these projects. You know, you got a festival that's 11 years old. You've got this band that's nine years old you get a set of projects 40 years old you know, concert series 25 years retreats 17 years and instead of looking at all that instead of feeling tired or old i felt like i feel like they're getting older and i'm getting feeling younger <laughs> and i don't mean in denial i mean my knees ache when i get up sometimes and i make the old man groan when i get out of a really comfortable couch and all that right. kind of stuff. But, uh, <laughs> but uh just mentally you know and yeah not caught up in worrying about well, I guess it comes down to liking and loving yourself, which, boy, it's taken me a long time to... I think I see the meme you're talking about. You're talking about the, yeah. the Michelle Perkins' fourth year, Poncho yeah. Features' ninth year, yeah. uh, Copenhagen Songwriters Festival' 11th year, Copenhagen yeah. Listening Room Open Stage. This is your 15th yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, Listening Room Songwriting Retreat, 17th year. That's the 25th anniversary of your <laughs> Listening Room Concert Series. So yeah. congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. And uh, 40th year for the Sneaks, which was your first yeah. band, you said? Yeah, yeah, first serious band. Yeah, I had one before that, but this was the one that made albums and had radio and that sort of thing. Wow, so, okay. I think we covered yeah. pretty much all of it. I I have a gig tonight, believe it or not. Hey, Tuesday night. Hey, great. Super. Which so. reminds me that that opening line in uh, my uh, 
the T. Oh, my petite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am discovering the city on my bicycle. I just like, I heard that line. It's like, yeah, I love this song already. That's a great (laughs) opening line. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a co-write, excuse me, uh, between a, with her and a Patrick, Patrick Ridman, a Swedish songwriter. Uh-huh. And, uh, and they met and wrote that on a listening room retreat in Copenhagen, where I met, that's where I met Maggie Lee. She was a participant. Are you ever going to get to Philadelphia and do a concert here? I don't know. Do I, have to, do I have to come there to see it? I have to come... I played at the Philly Music Conference in 94. So, well, 94, I was still in uh, Studio City, California. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when I'll... I, I mean, it's not on my immediate radar because I'm pretty much going... Well, I guess I'll just have to try to figure out a way to get to Europe then, that's all. You got it, yeah. I mean, well, you know, California's closer, but Europe's more fun. I've never been... <laughs> well, that's the thing. Uh, I'm 66, yeah. so Europe's got to be on my bucket list now. Oh, absolutely. Come on over. Copenhagen in summer is a reason to go. Uh, it's fantastic. So maybe next year. We've got a retreat, got a uh, festival, and good times to be had by all. Close it with, that's a, we'll close it with that thought. <laughs> and it's great, <laughs> great talking great to you. Yeah, you too. See you out. There you go, Brett Perkins. I just feel good for no particular reason. Anyway, if you go to www.talesoftheroadwarriors.com slash Brett-Perkins, you'll find the show notes where you'll find links to uh, all the stuff we talked about and uh, make sure you fill out a contact form. Put some comments in the at the bottom of the page. You can uh, you know put comments in there. And uh, let me know what you think about Brett and about uh, the conversation, about the website, all that good stuff. And uh, that's it. Out of time. I'm going for a drive. (laughs) 